HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Today is a special show, Friday, April 10th, 2015. We're talking with Eric Asimov, wine critic of the New York Times. We'll be talking about baseball and lager with Eric as well as some local brewers, including Patrick from Flagship in Staten Island. How you doing, Patrick? Good, thank you. And uh, our new buddy, Travis Kaufman from Folksbeer. How's it going? Carol Garth. We call you folksy sometimes. Just, Justin Phillips from uh, Beer Table is our beer expert. And, and Eric Asimov, welcome to the show. Pleased to be here. You know, it's, 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 I, we always love reading your, your beer articles. Last summer you did a great one about uh, Simple Sours from Peekskill. And uh, do you have a lot of fun writing your beer articles? Uh, I love it. First of all, I get to taste and drink a lot of beer, which is a great thing. Um, and, and, you know, I love beer. I think, uh, if I can remember back that far, the very first articles I ever wrote for the Times back in the 80s were, were about beer. And, and nobody was writing about beer then. So, And now everybody is. Yeah. Your article was really great. It was a few weeks ago. You, you talked about loggers at, at, at baseball stadiums and uh, – uh, you had a great panel of, of, of judges. Uh, you picked full session lager from Oregon, uh, the uh, full sale, the session lager from Oregon as, as your top pick. Right. So right. it was a lot of a lot of people were talking about it. You had Brooklyn Lager on that, and uh, since then we've we've had a bunch of reps and brewers talk about what what beers really would go best for uh, a baseball game, in particular Yankee Stadium, because you left us hanging. You said Yankee Stadium needs a new shortstop and better beer. Well, you know, it's uh, – I mean, I've, I'm a Yankees fan for 40 years and it's uh, – you know, it's it really gnaws at me the uh, the poverty of the beer program there. I mean, there's so many wonderful beers but you just uh, leave it in the hands of the distributors who bring out the uh, uh, mass market beers and uh, that's the way it goes. Well, we have we have some great guys. Our, our guests tonight, again, Patrick from Flagship. And uh, Travis from Folks Beer, Justin from Beer Table. So they all brought some beers that, that they thought y- you'd like to try, and we can talk about what which of these beers would go. You well know, I, I, I should say one thing. Yeah. I mean, the focus this year was on uh, on on lager, but there are so many beers that could be great at a ball game. Um, you know, if you want to take a, a particular type of lager, Pilsner, but you could have pale ales. Um, if you want to get really esoteric and uh, come up with uh, lambiques or, or sour beers or the the uh, simple sour from Peaskill that I talked about oh, yeah. last year, which was a hybrid and, and particularly appropriate because it's it's low in alcohol, unlike that, a lot of sour That's beers. a great one. So, Pat, you, you brought a beer for us that yeah. you think would go well at baseball games. What is it? Uh, this is Flagship's Lager. Uh, fairly new style we developed over the past few months. Uh, I guess you would call it a Vienna lager by style, but it also uses rye, adds a bit of a smooth texture. Um, it uses like a Martzen uh, yeast, like an Oktoberfest yeast, uh, add a little bit of complexity to it. But with all that fancy talk, it really is just kind of a golden lager at the end of the day. It uses uh, 
you know, noble hops like Saz and Hallertau, um, a little more than your than your average German lager, but it still has a very smooth and refreshing flavor. I think on a hot day or just a nice baseball day, you know, you could you could certainly drink a few of these. Eric, when you guys do, do your, your tasting panels in the Times, I mean, you're usually tasting wine. Right. Uh, how is tasting wine different from tasting beer? Um, well, for one thing, uh, I, you know, I always invite a few guests and, and often for or usually for the wine panels, I, I've got sommeliers and, um, you know, the wine culture is pretty clear. You, you sip a little bit, you spit it, spit it out. You don't want to get wasted. Yeah, we don't spit. <laughs> uh, beer people do not spit. And it's always funny to see, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a beer panel when I when I bring in people who are more um, familiar and schooled in beer, and, and you know they're drinking it down. I'm still spitting because I'm you know kind of a weak wine guy, but uh, yeah. And it, you know the vocabulary is is very different. The production is very different. The references are are different. Everything is different except the the sort of analysis that you're going. I mean, you can still. Uh, see if flavors are are, are clear, focused. Um, if they're if they're fresh or if they're a little bit stale, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, there are a lot of differences. But at the the end of the day, you're still looking for for top quality. You know, I know one thing that's probably tough about picking beer when you're doing a tasting is often uh, people will go to a store and buy from a store. Is that how you guys do it usually? Uh, we're we're buying from uh, any kind of retail establishment, and you know it's not uh, like in the old days where you're only buying from from grocery stores where it's sitting out on the shelves for days. Now you have a lot of um, specialty beer retail shops that that take good care of the the beer. Well, that's great. I really appreciate that you did that that article. And and Justin from Beer Table, um, tell us about some of the beers you brought because we, we're talking about lagers for baseball. Let's get into that a little more. Yeah, yeah. So I just brought a few uh, few examples of lagers that we enjoy selling and that we think are of great quality, um, all kind of slightly different styles, um, ranging from, I think, one of our best regional classics, the Prima Pills from Victory, um, beautiful beer, a, a fairly new one for us from uh, from Vancouver, the Steamworks uh Pills, which is which is, a, is selling great for us. It's kind of kind of far afield, but um, great beer. Um, back to New York, the Southampton Keller Pills, which is an unfiltered sort of older style that I like because it's a little bit richer, breadier. Um, another interpretation of a Keller Pills, the Via Emilia from Del Ducato in Italy. Um, really uh, interesting small brewery over there that makes beautiful product. And then a very very old uh, brewery, uh, Echlinkerla from Bamberg in Germany. Um, they're <clears throat> uh, their Hellas, which is not smoked, but because the brewery specializes in rock beer, uh, has a good deal of smoke to it. Well, that's, a, that's a great lineup. Uh, Pat, you want, you, let's talk more about your beer, because uh, I really liked it. I, I would like some more if you don't mind getting me some. <laughs> I'm feeling a little anxious because we have Eric Asimov from the Times here. I have to say that. Um, you know. Why anxious? <laughs> well, you know, we, we're, uh, we're honored to have you. And, uh, you know, talking about baseball, it's one of my favorite, favorite pastimes as well. Um, isn't it funny, Pat? Did you say you, you guys are also serving uh, your beer at the Yankees Staten Island uh, Stadium? Yeah, actually, we have our summer beer seasonal. Um, we've only been open a little under a year, but it came out just in time last year uh, for the baseball season. The single A team, uh, Staten Island Yankees. So we did our, our summer ale. We called it Pastime. Uh, it's a pretty basic um, foundation of, of a summer wheat beer. Um, but we, we use some exotic hops, uh, this one hop called Summer, which is an Australian hop. Um, and then this year, we actually decided to get a little more experimental with it um, and do some dry hopping. Um, and so we, we kind of made this commitment um, with all the different kinds of exciting hops, fruity, citrusy, earthy, spicy, that, that they just seem to come out with new varieties and you know new you know, crossbreds and, and all these things, uh, all these great, exciting hops. So, so we're going to do a different dry hop every year. This year we did a specific hop called Falconer's Flight 7 Seas and Galaxy. Um, but not overdone, just sort of an aromatic thing to, to try and get it. But uh, anyways, yeah, our partnership with the uh, Staten Island Yankees has been good, and uh, we're going to continue it this year. A little bit of cross-marketing and, 
And but at the end of the day, it's really just uh, beer on tap at the baseball stadium, which goes I, well. I have to say, I love this beer. I think uh, you should persuade the Yankees to bring it up to the big leagues right <laughs> yes, away. That's, you got to start in single A and then <laughs> make your way up. So that's I mean, what we're you know, on. How, how nice is this beer? It's a little bit of malt to it, uh, but but really nice bitterness, and it integrates very well. Purely, totally refreshing. Thank you. Victory, and uh, we're going to try the, the victory too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of fun talking about, you know, how can you get better beers into the Yankee Stadium? That's one of the things that your article left me with. And people have said that the Mets actually have uh, better beers at City Field. No, it's it's true. Um, you know, I don't know exactly which brands that they uh, have there, but they do have some, some craft beers there, un- unlike Yankee Stadium. Um, and, and you guys who know more about the beer distribution business than I do can explain better why that is why do you think so justin uh why, why the beer selection at why, yeah, better beers at city field than yankee stadium oh man i don't know uh, I, and honestly i haven't yet ventured to either one so i'm not the guy to ask but maybe they should have some things like uh, this victory prima pills i right? would hope so yeah i mean this is this is really one when, of my when we were putting the show together it just you know the process was we, we read the article and, and we emailed with, with you eric and then i started thinking who's making really good lagers and and my first uh First people I asked were Pennsylvania brewers, and in particular Bill Kowaleski at Victory, because he's kind of been a, a German-style lager specialist for a long time, and he, he couldn't make it on the show, And but thanks for your feedback, Bill. They did send over some victories, and uh, then we kind of went local. We asked Garrett Oliver. Uh, he's busy, but he's always busy because he's traveling so much, and uh, we, we ended up really kind of what we do often on the show is our new small local breweries, which is kind of what... W- What's keeping us interested in, in the in the you know beer scene, and you know we've got Travis from uh, Folks Beer and uh, Pat from Flagships. So I feel like we kind of came up you know with, with what we're supposed to be doing in beer, and one of those things is, is super local, local and super fresh. Um, but we got the Victory Premier Pills right now, which has been a kind of a standard for a while for craft beer guys. And uh, Travis, tell us about y- your Hellas because you're, you're making German style beers as well, and I think that you know the, the root of these lagers are, are, are German you know inspirations. Yeah, definitely. And the, the Hellas lager that I make is a very pretty traditional Hellas. Um, I do use some American hops, but other than that, the um, the grain bill and um, the techniques are are, um, are German in origin. And uh, this is an early kegging of my Hellas Simple, uh, which is, like I said, kind of a hybrid between German and American styles. Um, it is a her- uh, early kegging, so... It's, um, you know, you get to see this beer basically as a, as a Keller beer, um, or as we, we call it at the brewery affectionately, uh, Hellas Keller. Uh, <laughs> so, but this beer is just at the end of its fermentation. It's gone through its diacetyl rest, and, uh, it, you know, we sometimes keg it early to taste it and enjoy it as, as a Keller beer. So this is, this is what that is. Uh, and I, 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 this is what I like, and I feel like in the old days, if, if we mix like kind of old traditional German breweries with American baseball, this is what we'd be drinking. <laughs> I may, you know, maybe in the old days too. I, I bet in the late 1800s in, in Milwaukee and New York, where they had great breweries, you were probably getting super fresh beer like this when you went to a ballpark, when you went out went out to a pub. And I, I, and I think that's one thing we're trying to get to is you know what is really good beer. I think it's stuff like this. It's it, it's super local, super fresh. And this was probably the kind of beer they were drinking in, in, in Milwaukee and Boston in the late 1800s. Don't Definitely. You think so? Well, in the in the ball fields, the uh, the culture was German, and basically it was the um, the German beer garden culture brought into the context of, of baseball. Um, you know, especially in the early part of of baseball. And, and it, of course, of a lot of the owners of ball teams in the early days were brewers. Yeah. Exactly. The and stadium. <laughs> and so there was a lot of cross feeding, and and the the whiskey and beer league, and. There was, you know, a lot of historical context for, you know, using um, using baseball as marketing for beer, and then also using, you know, beer as sort of, you know, uh, economic tool to propagate baseball as well. I like this beer. What do you think about this beer, Justin? Different. Um, definitely has a, a really distinct, interesting kind of vegetal thing, aromatically. Um, nice, delicate body, hazy, soft. Yeah, Travis. It's like a very like it's like a green grassy nose. Mm-hmm. What, what is that from, Travis? Is that just because it's so fresh? That's the Noble Hops, Hollertau, and, and Saw's way in the background, and also just the fermentation process. Um, you know, we do a really uh, 
low temp mash so it brings out more of the grassy notes in the hops and you get less of the caramelization and uh, you know residual sugars that the the um, yeast can't digest maybe we, maybe we could push Yankee Stadium to do one local beer night that would be fun <laughs> yeah how, how will this beer evolve with more cellaring uh, not much. I mean, the flavor is pretty much there. It's going to clear out uh, significantly um, in, in a week, and um, it'll be pretty much uh, be ready to sell. Uh, it has a lot of, like, green uh, hop flavor, Luplin, in there that will um, mellow a little bit. So it'll be a little rounder. Um, the malt will come forward a little bit, uh, and it'll be clear. So I have, I have a question for you brewers. Um, one of the beers that was in our lager tasting was uh, something called an India Pale Lager. So they took a, a traditional lager style and just added a, a, a boatload of American hops to it. And, it, you know, a beer like that, I can see it would be very popular. It's n- not something that I would want to drink personally. But how do you balance the, uh, the need to, to make uh, classic uh, genres of beer with your own desire to maybe add your personal twist? Pat, why don't you go first? Well, everything's evolved in especially America and American craft beer to towards the hops because um, we have the hops here. You know, it's like, what, 75% of the commercially grown hops are now in America and then they're great and they're fresh. And so all these IPAs came out and now people want to do lagers. People want to do Belgian style IPAs and, and um, add hops to them. And But I mean, really, the trick is you're, you're not trying to balance them. You're trying to to unbalance them. You want them to be more hoppy. You want that to take over. Well, it's not a question of balancing the beer, but just balancing your own, uh, the impulse <laughs> right. to to want to make your personal mark on a genre rather than staying true to a classic tradition. Yeah, I mean, and that's how you, you know, you can either make something really good traditional or you can make, or it doesn't, you know, it's a little boring maybe sometimes and, and you want to try something different. Um, there's so many different hops and, and you have your go-to ones, the ones you like a lot. Um, and you're like, Oh, I wonder how this would taste in a lager. And, and then you try it and it's either good or it's not. And if it's good, you go with it. That's a good, that's a great start to the show guys. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio. All right. Good start, guys. You're listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by Dead Stars. El Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. 
This is a special show uh, with Eric Asma of the New York Times. We're talking about loggers for baseball, and we've got great panel here. Pat from Flagship on Staten Island. Volks Beer, our, our favorite uh, brewery in Carroll Gardens, and uh, Justin from Beer Table. So um, just a quick note, uh, I'm on my second beer today, so my tongue's untied. It's a special live show. We're usually Tuesdays at 5. This is a special show on Friday. And I, w- I would like to give a shout-out to my neighborhood, uh, East Village. We are recovering from... Uh, from the gas explosion and fire. And our favorite place is the Brumida Triangle, Jimmy's number 43, uh, Burp Castle, and Standings Bar, where I hope to watch the Yankees and Red Sox tonight. Uh, we hope to be open tonight. We're still waiting for a final inspection. But just for our, our listeners out there, just know that uh, we're, we're hoping to be open soon. But, again, talking about baseball, I do like watching uh, baseball at Standings Bar on uh, East 7th Street, my neighbor. And... Uh, it's, what I like about it is it's an intimate bar with a nice owner, but there's always five or six games. You can see like a San Francisco game, a Philly game. But the Yankees-Red Sox game is, is always one of my favorites. And what do you think about baseball this year, Eric? I mean, I know you're a big fan. Well, you know, um, it's, it's a new era for, for us Yankee fans. You know, we've got the, uh, the last vestiges of the, uh, of the dynasty are gone. And, um, you know, uh, it's, I, I'm all for rebuilding and I'm all for being patient about it. So uh, I'm, you know, the one thing I fear is when they, they start throwing money after aging superstars on their way down. And uh, that's, that's been the Yankee way. Well, hopefully we'll be back in standings tonight on East 7th Street. We can, we can watch the Red Sox and the Yankees, both really new teams. And uh, we can also drink good beer there. One thing I love about uh, standings is they always have, they always have a good lineup of, of craft beer. So, Eric, you asked an interesting question of, of the brewers, and uh, Travis is going to answer with his perspective from Folks Beer. Well, as far as ingredients are concerned, and especially hop integration, you know, we're all subject to what's available to us, and as we're historically brewers, you know, coming to America as German immigrants or, or whenever, and, um, you know, there's a lot of options open to us, and I try to think about, you know, lager, specifically when I make the Hellas, as an idea, you know, Hellas came out of this idea that, that the masses needed this bright, clean beer, to uh, fill this void, and, and they had leisure time for the first time, and the working man needed this beer to, to be refreshing and easy and, and sip. Uh, and I try to channel that and use, you know, some of the same ingredients, the, the two-row malts from uh, Bohemia, and then integrate some, some American hops as well. And it is tricky because they're, they're very potent, and you have to, you know, be judicious with them and be kind of like very gentle with the way you extract them um, to get that level of balance. Also, my beers, uh, you know, attenuate all the way. So they're very dry and, you know, you can't, you don't have a lot of residual sugar to lean a bunch of hops up against. So, you know, I try to get the the essence and the aromatics without getting a lot of the, the bitterness because, you know, without a lot of residual sugar, you can't, you know, you can't afford to have all that extra bitterness in your beer. Well, I, I like the beer, and I like the way you integrate the American hops. It then becomes part of the, the chorus and, and part of the, the background rather, do, rather than dominating, as is so often the case. And Justin, what do you think about this beer? Do you, do you carry any folks beer at beer table? Not yet, in <laughs> my understanding, only in Brooklyn so far. So. He's, he's, he's <clears> had <throat> beer at Jimmy's number 43. comes oh, yeah? out cool. every couple yes, of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. And... Uh, all right, so um, let's raise a glass of toast to this one. I, this, we're getting there. We had the flagship, and now we've had the folks beer, and I think the local beers are winning. Um, we also tasted the, the Victory, which has a great line. I, I, I'll put in the plug for Victory Braumeister Pills. I don't, I don't know if we have samples of that today, but that's always a step above, and it's like a single hop series. And, uh, and again, if you're, in, if you're in Pennsylvania or the Northeast, I think that Victory is consistently making uh, some of the best lagers, since we're talking about lagers. But, Justin, you've also been collaborating on some beers as well that, that could go well in a baseball stadium. Uh, so yeah, why don't you, why don't you tell that, us about that project, because you've made some yeah, interesting beers. So just to clarify, not collaborations. These are commissions, um, asking brewers to brew the beer that they would want to drink every day. Um, so think, you know, daily. And that, that may or may not mean low alcohol. In most cases, it has meant that. Um, yeah. But it's kind of an interesting series. Um, <clears throat> this one's from uh, Chad from Crooked Stave out in Denver. So what's the? It's called Table Beer, Beer Table Table Beer. Yeah, it's just sort of a play on our name and just the idea of an everyday drink. Uh, whether or not that's a fancy drink or not, uh, not so important to me. Um, I'm just asking them to be to be honest and brew something that they find delicious. 
Um, Chad well, specializes in wild fermentations and Britannomyces and things like this, so all of his beers are influenced by that, and uh, you'll see they that here. I love the Crooked Stave, but that's kind of a style that Eric was saying, similar to the Simple simple Sour that Peak School makes. It's like a hybrid, right? It's like a little sour. Yeah, you'll get a little acidity. It's not really beer. a sour beer, but, you know, it's it's light, it's clean, it's, you know, there, there's a little bit of funky, earthy, mushroomy stuff going on, but... What were some of the other uh, beer table, table beer commissions that you did? Because uh, they're all similar. They're all, like, low alcohol. So far they have been, but, you know, I'm open to, to whatever. Um, uh, Brian Strumke from Stillwater uh, did a beautiful one that he's he's rebrewed a few times. Westbrook, where our, our host brewery for the for the series, has done his own. Um, uh, Evil Twin. And, uh, yeah, more on the way. I, I love this beer. You know, this would be Acidity. a great ballpark beer. It's, it's refreshing. It's uh, tart. Um, you can drink a, a gallon of it. Yep. It's going to go with uh, all the food they serve there. Um, and it's something different, yep. you know? It's, yeah. it, it, it does remind me of that, uh, the, the simple sour, and that it yep. is sort of a, a hybrid of styles done in a very... Uh, in, in in a style that you can drink a lot of. Yeah. There's a lot of these hybrid sours out there. I know, like, in, in Chicago, talking about a great baseball town, Off Color makes beer called Troublesome, where it's like it's like wheat kind of hybrid with goza, you know, and that's it, it, that's very refreshing. And I think the essence of a baseball beer is refreshing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is a good one. I should have more of this beer. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I mean, for me, refreshing. Um, bitterness is definitely, a, a, you know, something that's important, um, but also a little bit of acidity. What was uh, the style of this beer again? I, I don't think he has really Whatever it is. It, it reminds anything, me of, like, a Berliner Weiss. Yeah, it kind um, of in, seems in that vein a little bit. It's not which lactic, are perfect but... beers, you know. It's it's just they're, they're light in alcohol. They have a little bit of tartness, but they dry up if you're sitting at a baseball stadium. I mean, it's... The more tart and sour stuff, I don't think have really made their way into the baseball stadium no. yet. But the way the the craft beer world is changing, I think they'll be there soon enough, and this would be a great beer. Cool. I, mean, I, I feel like in terms of like stadiums around the country, you know, there seems to be a, a higher level of food, or at least more variety of food at, at many stadiums. Do, do do most baseball stadiums actually have a good lineup of beer? Uh, I, I can't speak for most baseball stadiums, but I know um, if, if you go to the uh, San Francisco Giants ballpark, you've got a, a really nice lineup. If you go to um, uh, Wrigley Field, not so much. Really? In Chicago? <laughs> I, would, I would guess that you have a, a, a great lineup at uh, Camden Yards. You know, it's it's some of the the newer stadiums uh, have a more uh, modern way of thinking about the kind of food that they're serving and 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 the the beers that that are going to accompany it. I think some of the really um, uh, traditional ballparks, Wrigley Field. I'm not sure about Fenway Yankee Sta- Stadium. They've been doing things for a long time. They're not that willing to depart uh, from what's been successful for them, and and they've got you know, mainstream relationships and, and don't really explore beyond that. Well, it makes another reason for, we were talking earlier about how much we like to listen to uh, baseball on the radio or go into a bar like Standings. And, uh, you know, I'm all for that. I, I, I think I'm going to pick my beer before I pick the baseball stadium. <laughs> it's, it's tough. I mean, it, it, I think your article left us with, I think one point of this is, hey, baseball just started this week and maybe someone on the Yankees is listening but you know maybe you could put you know one or two good lines on or or maybe even have a, a craft beer night because I, I think that there's so many people are interested in craft beer and um, I think it, it would only make you know, make me paying that ticket to go to a baseball game you know more appealing to me I don't know. Does anybody else here go to baseball besides Eric? Well, you know, I, 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 might, I, spring, I might go to one train. or two games a year. I'm, I'm by no means a uh, season tickets holder. But, you know, when I do go, uh, I want a good beer. I was just at spring training uh, two weeks ago. And I went to uh, the stadium, Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter and the JetBlue Park in Fort Myers. And they both stadiums... Uh, I know Roger Dean's been around for a while. The JetBlue Park is a newer uh, park they built for the Red Sox. But both of them had, like, craft beer sections, like a big tent just dedicated to craft beer. I'm seeing that more and more at Major League Parks. I think Boston has a small one. Um, I know that uh, the Mets have one. I, I guess the Yankees don't. But um, I'm sure that they might get there. Um, part maybe, maybe in the VIP section. Well, you know, um, some of the places like uh, at, at uh, 
at City Field, um, you know, a lot of the so-called craft beers that they have are really just the uh, lines of the uh, the big brewers right. that they've acquired. But um, I, I think they may sell Brooklyn at, at City <coughs> Field. Goose Island. Goose <laughs> Island. Well, there you go. Exactly. But they're a great they beer. So, there. I mean, you know, if that's your choice, um, just because Anheuser-Busch owns it doesn't mean I'm not going to drink it. I'll drink it at a baseball stadium. So. Well, I think I think this brings up the point that even though craft beer is rising, I think still the average person is is drinking not really a craft beer, and still if you go to a, a lot of larger chain restaurants or, or or pubs, you've got a selection of draft beer, but many of them are owned by a B or someone else, and um, I think it's it's probably a similar to what's going on in, in ballparks because it's like larger corporate entities, and we're really focused on the small guys, but. Well, you know, I think there are a lot of pressure tactics by distributors. Um, they're bringing in the big names, and they uh, either uh, undercharge or do whatever else they can to to force out the the smaller distributors. It's just uh, you know traditional capitalism. Yeah, our, our friends at Pretty Things last year ran a little campaign in, in Boston because they were, they were talking about certain bars were taking money from. Either brewers or distributors to, 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 to you know to buy their taps out. I've never seen that happen to me. I mean, I've had you know ten years in, in the business here. I've never had anyone come and offer me money, but I, I have seen some shady things. And, and and that's what another thing we like about the small local craft beer guys. It's a straight transaction. I mean, I mean Travis here will come you know from Carroll Gardens with one or two kegs for me, and he gives us an invoice, and and you know we will pay him, and um, we know he's doing a quality product. But it's also going back to the baseball. It's like, can you imagine a time when someone was drinking these these fresh, super local beers at a baseball game, or or like a, a slightly sour beer, like like Justin gave us, or you know, f- flagship made in Staten Island at at a Staten Island uh, you know stadium? I feel like that's how I want our whole world to be. But I, I still feel even when I go to you know mainstream restaurants, I'm not getting it. So we're going to keep crusading for having our local our local breweries uh, come out. And we've talked so much about. Every neighborhood could have a brewery. That, that, that's how I feel. But how, how do you feel, Travis? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and I think that economics are definitely a, a big part of it. But I think that the, you know, the desire for the public to have that beer, that, that idea of the lager, that you know, crisp, clean beer is a big driving force because it is you know, 50% of beer sales in the States right now are, are those beers, those mass-produced lagers. So, you know, at, at a ball field, if you're, if you're going to have, you know, tens of thousands of people together, it's also a numbers game. And, you know, I think what craft brewers can do to fight that is to provide that beer, um, that, that crisp lager in a consistent and delicious way. All right. Justin, um, after this, wh- what's the next beer that we should try? Oh, we can bounce around here. Um, let's. I would say let's go to the Southampton Keller Pills, um, just to, to go to a slightly different style, unfiltered. Um, I think this is a beauty. It's a little, you know, as mentioned, a little different. Um, and Pat, you at one time you've worked a lot of breweries, right, Pat? Right. Yeah. I. I um, you know, for upwards of a decade, I worked at Harpoon for a while. Went to uh, Eagle Rock in L.A. And then before I uh, started up flagship with uh, Jay Sykes and, and Matt McGinley and John Gordon, we I was working at. Greenpoint Beer Works, which is a contract brewery in Brooklyn. They do Kelso and Heartland are kind of their, their house brands, but a lot of other local breweries will run out of capacity um, and, and ask us to brew their beers. And, and this was actually one of the beers that when I was there um, about three years ago, we, we were brewing it, and it's a, it's a great lager. I'd be happy to have this at Yankee Stadium, too. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, we're going we're to take a short break again. We'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll talk more about some traditional German lagers on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. You're listening to Pale Blue, The Landing.
Hi, I'm Amy Mills from 17th Street Barbecue in Southern Illinois, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got a special show. It's Friday. We're talking about loggers and baseball. Eric Asma of New York Times and, and uh, Pat from Flagship. So, Pat, what were you saying about uh, you think that we sh- it's hard for craft brewers to make craft loggers? Well, I just thought it was worth bringing up the, the, the challenge that, uh, that small breweries have in making the decision to make a lager. Um, I noticed with Travis's beer and and uh, the Keller Pills from Southampton, and also with, I know for a fact with Flagship's beer that these these t- taste like lagers that have been properly lagered, which means essentially it takes at least six weeks to make the beer. Uh, a traditional ale can turn over in about two weeks uh, at, at the earliest. Um, so you're talking about cutting into one third or, or two thirds, I should say, of your, of your total capacity for brewing. And when you're a small brewer, that's really hard to to justify. But um, so if you're going to make a lager, that's that's a commitment you you kind of have to sign up for, or you're going to be pushing out kind of a, a young product that that might not have the same nuances and flavors that that a, a traditional lager should get from its yeast profile and from its flavor profile. Uh, I, I would add two things to that. If you think back uh, historically to the origins of the craft beer movement, which really uh, uh, were a bunch of home brewers, and back in the uh, the bad old days of the 70s, uh, the beers that they wanted to brew were the uh, were the ales that had all but disappeared because uh, big breweries had just focused on the the one sort of uh, mass market lager that that everybody was making. So they were making uh, pale ales and IPAs and porters and stouts and all the other uh, genres of beer that uh, were largely unavailable. The other point is that, uh, as you said, lagers uh, take a lot more time to make, and they're also a lot more unforgiving. So uh, Mm -hmm. small errors here or there are going to show up, and and you could really uh, blemish a whole batch in a way that – you know, ale is more forgiving. You can sort of hide uh, uh, little mistakes. And right. Things. With really hoppy beers, sometimes the hop flavor will take over, or like stouts and porters, you get that roasty character. And, you know, when it's just kind of a golden or, or yellow pilsner or, or a golden lager, it's, it's, it's supposed to be crisp, it's supposed to be dry, it's supposed to have that lager flavor, but it, it's not really supposed to have much of anything else going on. Um, and, and to do it right, you really have to have that full attenuation and that full conditioning period that, that that's what the yeast really picks up um, are those flavors during that time period. And you really have to just sit on it. You just sit on it and wait. Um, and we, we filter our beer, but but after it ferments, we're, we're, we're waiting over a month before we can filter it. And it's, it's a total of six to seven weeks just, just to produce it where our normal ales take two weeks. I, I would add one more thing. Because uh, lager was kind of the property of the, the big brewers, there was a tendency, I think, to, to sort of sneer at it. Um, and because it is fairly simple, uh, you know, that was another reason it didn't really invite creativity, but, uh, when well-made, these beers are, are so beautiful and so refreshing and they fulfill that, that basic requirement of beer to, uh, to refresh and to invigorate. Eric, you've, you've written about Pilsners in the past and I know you wrote a great article about Kolsch a few years ago. Is, is Kolsch a lager? No, Kolsch is an ale, um, isn't it? <laughs> I'm always confused. Justin, you know. It's, it's an ale yeah. that behaves a little bit like a lager. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not the brewer here, but, I mean, Kolsch yeast is something that is, is somewhere in between. It's not particularly cold fermenting, and it's not really that warm fermenting either. It's an ale that ferments that. at lager temperatures, yeah. just to sum it up, I guess would be how you'd say it. But, yeah. But a, a Kolsch would be a good beer for Perfect. baseball. I think it's a great beer for a baseball. And, um, you know, it's kind of the, the hidden beer of the, the restaurant industry. I mean, uh, you know, if you talk to uh, to sommeliers or, or people who are working the floor every night, the first thing they want when they're done, when their shift is over, is a Kolsch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's some good Kolsches that we have, yeah. I like the Reisdorf Kolsch myself. There's so many good ones. And Travis, what's your take on this? I mean, making lagers or making a lager. I, I think Eric's right that I think the craft beer movement jumped on ales. 
But it also sounds like to make a good lager, it's like you need more money and capacity. Yeah, it's about scaling. And the business for lagers is really based around producing large amounts of beer and being able to lager, you know, hundreds of barrels at a time. And it's amazing business at that point if you can do the, the fermentation right because once you're in that lager process, you have a lot of beer to sell and you can keg it to order. So you can basically, you know, make beer seasonally. Um, which the Germans do, and and sell it off off the fermenter and keg it as you need it. So it's sort of like banking beer, and it stays good. It's very stable product. It can be shipped. Um, so it's an it's an amazing business thing, which is why Anheuser Busch use it. I would I would say that you know part of the reason that Americans maybe have a, a little bit of a you know bad name for for lagers is because you know the early brewers um, adopted. Well, they didn't have the proper, you know, two-row malt, so they, they, they were dealing with six-row malt, and they adopted corn very early um, to, to produce the, the lighter-bodied beer. Uh, and I think that's part of what, what gave it a bad name. Yeah, man. What, Pat, what's your take on that? I mean, I've heard that, too, that, like, corn and lager is not really so great. But yeah, some, I have some craft breweries are, are putting corn in beers, too, for sure. Sure, cream ales. I mean, there, there's ways to use it. I think what happens is when you use it as a, a flavor component to make a certain style of beer in, in the craft brewing world, that's that's okay <laughs> to, to all of us. But but what's not okay um, to to people that, that really like craft beer usually, I, I, from what I've taken, is that when you're using it as a way to save money or you use rice and you're just trying to put, uh, replace traditional brewing ingredients with something that's cheaper that uh, doesn't really have any flavor. Sometimes, you know, with some of the more macro-brewed lagers, you get more of an astringency. For me, what it was, like, um, when I started, when I tried some real German beer, I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, these lagers are not, like, what's around here. This is, And then it's hard to go back. And then now you have these craft breweries making them in America, like, almost as good. But there's still, there's that benchmark in Germany that, that's really hard to get to. I mean, really hard. And it has to do with the, the ingredients and the water exactly. available. Yeah, yeah. and, and terroir. Try to make, you know, a, yeah. a lager in, in New York, like one that comes out of like an alpine village, you know, with that, that crystal clear water coming off the mountain. It's, That's it's what Travis is doing. <laughs> exactly. Travis says he's inspired <laughs> by an alpine Tyrolean... <laughs> That's History. right. You know, that's that's my heritage, but also, you know, that I just try to channel those those flavors and, and that whole region as inspiration because, you know, I've been pursuing this sort of, you know, light, refreshing, you know, beer and that's what that's why I make beer. And then Justin brought in one of my favorite lagers, the yeah. Schlenkerle Hellas lager. Yeah, this is a this is a, a special and unique Schlenkerle, and not that they are all aren't. Um <clears throat> But uh, the first time I actually was here was probably nine, ten years ago, and Matthias Trum, the, the current uh, owner of the brewery, um, was not interested in sending this beer to the States at the time because he saw this as their worker's beer. Uh, this is like their basic <laughs> beer that didn't use any Rauch malt, no smoke malt. Um, fortunately, uh, he gave in and, and sent some to us. So so what is this is a, a basic lager that's made in a smoked beer facility. Yeah, classic German Hellas, just light beer, basically. Um, so it picks up a hint of smoke. And they, you one of the you few... do get that. It's almost yeah. like a savory uh, saline element to yeah. it. Well, smoke's an interesting ingredient, especially in something like a lager, because you can use it instead of adding hops, you can also use, use the smoked essence. But this, yeah. this is always, I love that story because they're, they're just running it in a smoked facility, so it picks up on it. It's one of the That's few breweries in the world that does its own malting, and, and they do it over an open fire, so it's a, it's a really atmospheric and beautiful place. But you, you like it, Eric? Very much. It tastes like a, a, a beer that uses smoked malt, but, it, but they don't. That's amazing, you know? That's a good one. On a side note, since we have listeners from England to California, Michigan, if you've got your, your favorite you know, baseball team or, or football team, wherever you are, uh, you, you can tweet us at beer underscore sessions and let us know what, what's, what the beer you'd want to drink when you're at your game in, in, your, in your local you know, stadium. So that's kind of a cool thing. If I'm in New York City right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're tallying this. I, I said I've been a big fan of Victory uh, for a long time. Flagship's winning me over. When I go to Staten Island, I'm, I'm going to drink Flagship. And I might just go to the, the Yankees uh, minor league team just to try this beer. That's a good know? enough reason to yeah. do it, right? And and, and if, if I'm going to Brooklyn, you, you guys need like some kind of uh, you know Carroll Gardens baseball team because I want to go to your <laughs> Stick brewery. <ball>. Yeah, and <laughs> just clones. drink this. Well, also, <laughs> with you, though, it's, it's like I have to get it just like you said. What? It's just from the tank. 
it's 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 this is where I want to drink my beers. Yeah, as fresh as possible. And actually, you know, if if you're in Bushwick tomorrow um, from three to six, I'll be around the corner at uh, Hops and Hawks uh, tasting all all three of my beers. If you're around, that's great. You also have another beer that that could be a baseball beer, the Blonde. Yeah, I actually brought that, and you know, at, at its heart, um, it's one of those northern German um, ales that does go through a, a little cooler fermentation, and it's not a Kolsch um, by any means, but it, it is in the same vein. Um, and I actually brought it if you want to yeah, let's taste that too. Taste it. Um, so again, this is an American and German hybrid. Those northern northern German ales that you know are are ale yeast but fermented like like lagers uh, and this one does see a little bit more american hops as well um this is the morning dew and again it's got that real kind of fresh hoppy you know nose i love talking to travis because the first time we had you on so i didn't realize just how how deep you were into the the history of beer and and, and german style beers yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's been a passion of mine for a long time, and you know, I've been home brewing for you know going on on twenty years. Not to age myself, but um, I, you know, it's been some a pursuit of mine, and, and this idea of, of you know freshness, Christmas uh, integration, and you know the German idea of mellowness in beer is really really attractive to me, um, and I try to I try to put that in all my. Beers. So I have a beer history question for you: the uh, the Hell style. Yeah. Is that kind of a German reaction to the the popularity of Pilsner? That's correct. Yeah, um, the uh, because most German lagers were dark, right? That's correct. I mean, the the original lager was Bach beer uh, from Einbeck, uh, made in the caves up there, and that was a really sort of like dark, dank beer. Um, that but it did use um, lager yeast, and interestingly, that brewery was one of the first commercial breweries. It wasn't part of the church. It wasn't part of the the um, the monarchy, um, one of the first you know cr- real commercial breweries, um, and then you know Vienna uh, Lager was next, and then Bohemian Pils uh, was after that, and then you know Helles, uh, the Munich Helles was a reaction to the Bohemian Pils um, and the desire to have that beer, but the whole thing was sort of a reaction to have you know this light crisp beer um, as part of the Industrial Revolution, and it fit in economically and it fit in taste wise and sort of fulfilled this this need for bright delicious beers i learned something today so the the germans in new york were also making beer and that's why we have these styles of beer that we like at baseball stadiums it's crazy pat flagship man you guys came out of nowhere it was like suddenly there was a brewery in staten island and you're making great beers what what beer are you serving at the yankee minor league stadium again uh it's our our summer ale uh it's called pastime uh, and like I said before, it's like a summer wheat ale with um, a little more hops, uh, some dry hops this year. Um, and then we do it. Uh, we do like a little bit of cross promotion and marketing with with the Staten Island Yankees. And you know, we're, we're right near the stadium, so you, the ferry, the Manhattan or the Staten Island ferry, I should say, comes in from Manhattan. Um, and the baseball stadium's right there. Flagship's an eight minute walk, and you got the train system. We're at the first stop there. In uh, Tompkinsville, so I, I might go there if you're visiting New York. Go, go to Staten Island because I can't afford to go to Yankee Stadium anymore. So yeah, I mean it's it's easy to get a ticket, man. And you know the brewery is open before and after the game, so you can go take a eight minute walk or a one minute train ride, and you're there. And we're on top there too. Tompkinsville, Tompkinsville. That, see, that was the the classic baseball novel of my youth, The Kid from <laughs> Tompkinsville by John R. Tunis. There we go. All right, mine was Casey at the bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin, are you a baseball fan? You know, I like hitting baseballs, but See. I can't say I'm a baseball <laughs> fan. I don't watch it or listen to it. I'm sorry. So let, let, let's pick our last beer. So we're talking about lagers. What, what's the last beer? If you said this is, I'm throwing this in the panel. This is what I would like to drink at a baseball game. Since you brought so many great ones, uh, among everything we have here. Oh man. Yeah, let's pop one last beer before we sign off. I mean, we should go with historical classic, right? Let's right. go straight to so Einbecker. tell us about that. Travis was talking about Einbecker, yep. and uh, why don't you tell us more about Einbecker? Because that's been one of those classics I've had for many years. The box, the pills. Sure, yeah. Einbecker, uh, you know, sort of you, the original uh, lager. They they started producing lagers first in the caves of Einbeck. They had the cool temperatures naturally uh, in the caves. This is uh, we're going to taste the Pilsner. Um, back then, it would have been their box, and they still produced several uh, different styles of Bach beers. Now they're amazing, a little richer, darker for sure. 
Um, and then this is um, their reaction, again, to the Bohemian Pilsner movement. I'm definitely interested in, you know, for, guessing listeners from around the country and, and, and from England, if you're, if you're going to a football stadium, what beers that you're, you're being served? I, I will say that I, I love the focus on German styles today, but I will also speak up for English styles. Um, you know, if you have a, a good uh, cast condition, English bitter, I mean, wouldn't that be great at a ball game? Not that oh, yeah. you'd ever get it there. And you'd that's have to go to the bar, but... Also, that's what inspired uh, this style of beer. You know, the, the British were making these, these bright, delicious, clean-drinking beers, and that's, you know, where Bohemian Pilsner came from. Vienna Pilsner are all from that same idea. I think we'd like it at the game, but you, still the common person, because the Cascales are served at room temp on a hot day, they're going to be like, well, it's not cold enough. You know, that's the problem. We're not worried about the common person, Pat. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, I'm saying... <laughs> And you got the coolest shirt too, flagship. You got like a, a logo. It's uh, is that a new thing? All the breweries you get to wear your, your name on your shirt. And- uh, the, but you know, my boss Jay Sykes gave this to me right before we opened, and uh, I ended up, you know, it's, it's just it's a Dickies Workman's shirt, and you put the flagship logo on it, and that's about it. Well, we're gonna I wrap the, the show. Pants. <laughs> Erica, last question for for our brewers. Anything you want to ask or say before we close out? Um. Well, I, I would just say keep up the good work, keep up the experimentation, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about bringing great beer to the, the people. Um, you know, the, the thirsty masses uh, need to know what they really want. And what do the Yankees need this year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I think they need a whole lot of help. They need somebody to hit. Well... It was a great show, and Eric, again, thanks for inspiring us, your, your article about loggers and, and baseball, and hopefully we can, we can keep this conversation going. I know the Mets are doing it at City Field, and also with food, our good buddy Tracy Nepront from, from Myriad Restaurant Group at Tribeca Grill, he's really proud to, to be serving food out, out at City Field, and shout out to you, Tracy, because he's one, another great baseball fan on the Mets side, which is, uh, again, stop by standings tonight. Hopefully will be, be reopened uh, after the East Village fire, and it's a great place to watch uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox. So in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Eric, Travis, Justin, and Pat for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and to our engineer today, a Jeep filling in for Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.